Welcome to another episode of The Raven Narratives. I'm Sarah Severson. And I'm Tom Yoder. We are the co-producers of The Raven Narratives. And of course, we are both sheltering at home during the current coronavirus pandemic. So we're recording our podcast introductions on a Zoom call today. The story you're about to hear was told in March of 2020 at our storytelling events at the Durango Arts Center and the Sunflower Theater, when the theme was firsts and lasts. Daisy Perez ran away from the City of Angels to live in Dolores, Colorado. She's an AmeriCorps member with Montezuma School to Farm Project and enjoys the experiences that Colorado has provided her. Here is Daisy's story. So first and last. Um, so when I was in elementary school, uh, my mom used to take my brother and I out of class early, like once a month. And so we would get the little pink slips that said my name, the date, and pack your bags, you know? And I would be so excited because what little kid wouldn't be excited to dip out of class? And so I would run out of class, and I remember my teacher would be like, hey, if you don't walk, you're going to put your name pinned down to the yellow. I would still run, you know? And um, outside, my brother was waiting for me. He would always wait for me. Um, we're super close. He's only a year older than me. I love Paul. That's his name. Um, so yeah, my mom would be waiting for us outside with our favorite snacks, which was the peach fruit cups and a bag of Cheetos for me and a bag of Doritos for my brother. And so we would walk to the bus stop, and I would hate walking. Um, and I just never really understood why I was walking, because we had five cars at home. So yeah, my dad's a mechanic, so he fixed cars and, you know. Um, but yeah, but now I appreciate my mom because I have some pretty nice legs, is what my friends tell me. Um, <laughs> uh, so thank you, mother. Um, but um, uh, yeah, we would walk to the bus stop and a big metro bus would pick us up, some from the city of LA. And um, we would head straight to the heart of the city. And I remember seeing these big buildings with a bunch of like windows and just thinking like, who's in there, you know? And we would walk, and my mom's like, oh, it's this building, so we would go in. And I remember that my brother would just slow down and like start walking carefully, and I would look at the floor, and it was so shiny that I can see like my reflection. And I just remember being in my school uniform with my blue polo shirt and my little skirt and my long socks, and just thinking, oh, I don't really belong here, but you know, I was there with my mom. Anyways, we would walk to the receptionist, and um, I don't remember the lawyer's name, so I'm just gonna call him William Beck, because that's what I've been calling him. Um, <laughs> and we would ask, like, oh, where can we find William Beck? And she would be like, okay, go up the elevator, up to the eighth floor, and make a right, and you'll see his name. And so I would translate for my mom, you know, okay. I would make sure to get it or be like, hey, Paul, you got that? Yeah, OK. All right, so we would go. And we would wait for a long time. And um, eventually, they would call my mom, Miss Perez, Petra Perez. And she would grab me and my brother. We would go in, and they would just talk for a long time. And it was just this man on his desk with a bunch of folders. And you know, they would exchange papers and stuff. And yeah, my brother and I, we would just be playing. 
on the side quietly because my mom asked us to be quiet um, while she was there. You know, she's like, at home you can be loud, but here just please settle down. And um, yeah, so that went on for a couple of months. Um, and yeah, one day my sister, my brother and I, so my sister is four years older and I love her too. Her name's Jackie. And um, we were just doing homework. Then my parents start fighting in front of me, well, in front of us. And they never really fought, like at least not in front of us. So my sister, being the protector, you know, the oldest, she grabbed us and took us outside and she said, hey, let's go play soccer or whatever. And now that I'm older, I can see what she was doing. But, you know, I was like, hey, my homework, you know, but she still took us. And um, I just remember coming back that evening and we, um, we were going to have dinner together, which was rare. My dad never really made it to dinner. On time, he would be eating dinner while we were watching novelas as a family. But we were already done eating, you know. He was the only one eating at that time. Um, so we were all having dinner, and my mom was crying. And my mom's a crier, so if I cry, I got that from her. Um, <laughs> but um, I, so I didn't really think much of it, you know. She was crying. I was like, okay. And then my dad says, your tia Clara called. My mom isn't doing too well. She's very sick, and all she wants to do is see me. And so, yeah, I, um, I just remember thinking, like, why is my mom so sad? Why is she not happy for my dad? Does she not want my dad to see his mom, you know? Um, but sorry, I'm a little nervous, so if I start shaking. Um, Anyways, um, that day my dad told us that we had a couple days to pack and that we were all going to go to Mexico, which is where he's from. My mom is too. And um, yeah, we kept going to those offices and at this point it was a different lawyer, you know. And they would tell my mom, don't do it, don't go, maybe you should stay, maybe just let him go, um, think about your kids, you know. And that went in one year, out the other, because, yeah, we got on a taxi and we went to Mexico City. And I made it there and I fell in love. Um, the, just the speed that people, I know Spanish, but the speed at which they speak out there is so beautiful. Anyways, um, I just remember being like, whoa. And I was overwhelmed because people honk a lot. And they're always just super angry, and they're, like, super tight. Like, they never hit each other, but they're so close to hitting each other. Um, so that scared me. Anyways, we were waiting, and then a big truck comes and picks us up. And it was this big green truck with a white stripe on the sides. And this man that looks just like my dad, but older and, like, a little bit more full and with gray hair starts, like, looking at us. And he gets out of the car, and he starts laughing. And... He's, I think he's still one of my favorite laughs. You know those people that have like really funny laughs? That's one of them. Um, and so he starts laughing, he hugs my dad and he hugs everyone. He puts the luggages in the truck and he picks me up and puts me right by the luggages. And then I look at my sister, I'm like, hey, where's the seatbelt? She's like, hey, dad said it was gonna be different, you know, just relax. <laughs> I was like, okay, I'll be fine. And so off we go. And where my dad is from, he's from Jalapa, which is pretty far from the city. 
And so I remember that we were on the road for a while and it starts just pouring. And I remember that my uncle had this setup where he attached a rope from the windshield wipers, the end of the windshield wipers. And so he's like, all right, brother, I will do it first and then you follow and then you go and then I go. And the whole way they were just like, and my dad being the mechanic that he is, try to fix it. So the trucks came to a stop, you know, and he tried fixing it, but it was just like all fucked up so he couldn't fix it. And I just remember, like, my dad was like, okay, so there they went. And um, eventually we made it home to his home. And um, I remember that my dad, my dad was like, whoa, like so happy to be home, you know? So he, like, got out of the truck. I hopped out. And I, I'm a daddy's girl. If you haven't, you know, if you can't tell, I am. Um, and so I just remember looking at him and his, like, expression. It had been 15 years since he had been home. And so I'm from LA. I've been here in Colorado for six months, and I can't imagine being out of LA for too much longer, you know? And because that's my home, you know? <laughs> Anyways, um, so my dad, he just kind of takes everything in. He starts scanning around, and he tells me that our last name, Perez, is the name of the street, and so the whole street is just filled with my family. And at the end, it's the general store, which is also my aunt's house, the aunt that called Clara. And so if I ever needed anything, just to run that way for eggs or candy or anything. And I was like, yeah. And um, so anyways, we go up these narrow steps, and I see my grandma for the first time. And... She was so old, you know, she couldn't get up to say hi to my dad. And um, I remember my dad just went and hugged her, and it lasted forever. Then eventually my brother and my sister came, and we were all just there as a family, just sitting by her, you know. And, um, yeah, it was, it was beautiful, you know, to be with my grandma and just my cousins and everyone else that I hadn't seen before. And um, anyways, uh, the next morning, I had breakfast with my family, and we prayed. And so, yeah, my dad took us to church, but we never really prayed because we never really ate together, you know? And so that was just interesting to see, like, all of my family, like, all my family. And when they say that Mexican families are huge, they are not lying. I had so many people um, around me. It was just so beautiful just to be around like my family, you know? And um, so I know I need to wrap it up, but um, <sighs> sorry. <laughs> um, so yeah, I got to spend time with them and eventually my brother, sister and I hopped on a plane back home and we were under the care of Maribel, my mom's friend. But my mom and dad weren't so lucky to be born in the US and so they couldn't come back with me. And um, a couple of days after I got back, um, I found out that my grandma had passed away. And um, that was the first and last time that I saw her, you know? And through her, I saw my father and just everything that my grandma taught me in those few short days, you know, to be a better, kind person to everyone, even those who, like, it's hard, you know? She's like, even if it's hard, be a nice person. I was like, okay. Always listen to your dad and mom because they want what's best for you. Okay, you know? Um, but, um, 
yeah, sorry, I lost my train of thought. Um, I just want to end with, like, I appreciate my dad for giving me that experience. I, I want to use I statements because I know my sister and brother talk about it too, but um, for giving me that first and last, you know, of meeting my grandma for the first time and last time, um, and just being able to, like, experience that as a family and not just me and my siblings, you know? Anyways, thank you. Thank you, Daisy, for sharing that story with us. To pitch your story for a future Raven Narratives event, fill out the contact form on our website at ravennarratives.org. We can't wait to gather together again and connect through the magic of live storytelling. Our May events are unfortunately canceled due to coronavirus concerns, but we are hopeful that we'll be able to host our SLAM storytelling event in September when the theme will be Lost Found. And we are especially excited about our event in November when the theme will be Letting Go, Holding On. That event will be in collaboration with 20 Moons Contemporary Dance Theater Company, providing interpretive movement and music alongside the storytelling. So don't miss it. Check the events page at ravennarratives.org for more information. And don't forget to subscribe to the Raven Narratives podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, or Stitcher and share these stories with your friends and family. During times like these, we are especially grateful for all of the stories from the Raven Narratives archives over the past four years. Big thanks goes to our fiscal nonprofit sponsor, Mancus Valley Resources. Find out more about all the important projects they support in the Mancus Valley of Colorado at mancusvalleyresources.com. The website for buying Raven Narratives tickets, ravennarrativestickets.org, was created by Cortez Web Services. Find out how they can help your business online at cortezweb.com. Our theme music was written and composed by Mo Cooley and performed by Mo and the Motones. Find out more about their music on the Motones Facebook page. That's M-O-E Tones on Facebook.